Hello, welcome to the weekly OK Preps Extra podcast. I'm Patrick Prince, joined uh, as always by Barry Lewis, Dean Rule. They are uh, done making camp in Edmond. They have seen all the state title games and uh, saw some dramatic uh, events as usual. So now we're going to sit here and try to digest and talk about it all. So, uh, guys, welcome back to uh, Tulsa, at least. Or Dean, are you in Tulsa or are you somewhere else? I'm in Tulsa right now. All right. Okay. So we're all in the 918. Okay. Let's start with 681 with Bixby. Um, it's, I mean, you know, we, we talked guys in the week leading up to the game, never count out a Bill Blankenship team. Uh, he sort of willed that team to get to the 6A title game. It's sort of, as that game went along, it kind of, you saw Bixby kind of impose their will kind of early in the game. Um, Barry, let's, Barry and Dean, we'll talk about the game a little bit, but then we'll kind of get into the lar- larger picture. Uh, Barry, just your impressions of Bixby and kind of not only what you saw last weekend, but their season in general. I mean, they to say they have it really going there in Bixby is a massive understatement. Yes, it is. And uh, um, before I get started on that, I would like to say we were one and I was one and one on those never count out uh, a team last <laughs> week because obviously a Wasso uh, lost, but I also said don't count out a Dale Condit coach team for Wagner. And we'll get to that later. But uh, um, anyway, about Bixby. Yeah, it's it's just such a juggernaut. I mean, the 38-35 loss to Jenks in week 10, that was just a, that was just a, a weird night. <laughs> I mean, and kudos to Jenks for a perfect game, playing a perfect game. But Jenks, just such a dominant program. Eight out of nine years winning a state title is incredible. It's mind-blowing. And to be in a championship game every year, uh, in the way they do it, I mean, just dominating so often. Uh, it is really one of the, I mean, it's one of the all-time top eras of high school football by one team. So, I mean, all, a decade nearly of sustained championship-level play. Um you know, when you think about maybe the greatest teams of all time in Oklahoma high school football, uh, this Bixby team would uh, have to be among them. I mean, if you're going to say, is this the greatest team of all time? I think, first of all, before you did that argument, with you'd have to say, is this the greatest Bixby team of all time? Because... <laughs> is um, it, Barry? <laughs> I think last year's might have topped this year's. But uh, if you wanted to say, is this the greatest team of all time in the largest classification, just for argument's sake, so you can maybe simplify the argument, um, because I think last year's Bixby team was better than this year's, perhaps. I mean, uh, although this year's team had to play a tougher schedule, so there's so many things to weigh in that. But, okay, just for argument's sake, is this the greatest, largest classification team of all time? Um, those that belong in the argument, I can't say it was the greatest season of all time because of that one loss to Jenks. They yeah. were not an undefeated team. However, if I was going to hold a tournament, a playoff with the eight greatest teams of all time, would I bet against this Bixby team? Maybe not. <laughs> but uh, uh, teams that I would have in that tournament are, um, I would have the 2019 Owasso team, 2018 Broken Arrow team, 2002 Union team, 1997 Jenks, 
And then Booker T, the 67, 69, and 73 teams would belong there too. So when I think of greatest teams of all time, at least that I have seen in the state's largest classification, those are the teams that come to mind. And also a team that's sort of like, I would throw in there too, would be 2010 Jenks. Probably I would say they're the greatest team not to win a state championship. Um, again, but if you put them in the tournament um, of this, our fantasy tournament here, I it would be tough to pick against them too. They just happened to lose the championship game by three points by against Union in the final second. Still probably the greatest championship game I've ever seen. So um, that Jinx team in 2010 also deserves to be in the discussion as far as the all-time top teams. But um, as far as the all-time greatest seasons, I think you'd have to narrow it down to undefeated teams. And uh, so... This year's Bixby team and the 2010 Jenks team would not qualify under that standard. However, if you got into this fantasy tournament, uh, they could play with any of those teams, other teams we mentioned. 2010, that was Sawyer Cole Morgan and Brandon yes. Kitchen. That, 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 that was that team, right? I'm remembering that right. Yeah, Sawyer Cole Morgan, and he played a great game. It was just such a classic game. Um, so in Union, uh, it's a Dreamweaver play. Um, won it in the final seconds, but just it was a classic game. So, um, uh, yeah, those are the teams that come to mind. This Bixby team, I mean, the way, especially this year and last year, I mean, look how they finished off the season just dominating in the state championship game. I mean, just total blowouts. Um, the 2018 Broken Arrow team. The only they were such a juggernaut until the last two games of the season when they um, played a pair of one score games in the semifinals against Owasso and in the championship game against Jenks. So that's the only, uh, I mean, that's sort of the only thing that maybe keeps me from saying that they're the best team of all time. Uh, but they deserve to be in the discussion. Absolutely. No Cortez, the running back, what a super year he had. And then the mm -hmm. 2019 Owasso team, they were really dominant too. Cole Duggar had a great year at quarterback for them. Of course, that was a freshman. Cole Adams had a big part in, on that team too. So many great players on that team. Again, their championship game is just a one score game against Jinx. Um, then, uh, the 1997 Jenks team, which I think a lot of people around here would say, I, you know, ranks among the very best, argues that they could be the best with Rocky Kalmus, and they were certainly deserves to be in that discussion. Um, they It was similar to this year with Bixby in that they played in uh, their team, they played in the championship game and blew out, was a team with a lot of loss, above average number of losses for a championship uh game UConn came in that game they were just eight and five so um it wasn't like really that classic state championship game matchup and uh you and Jenks just totally overwhelmed UConn as you would expect and then uh you look at the 67 69 70 73 Booker T Washington teams with coach Ed Lacey such tremendous talent and they were just so dominant throughout their seasons um you know, if you look on the scores back then, if you did comparative scores checks, 
Um, it's sort of tough to compare eras because a, a big time mm-hmm. blowout back in the sixties, early seventies would be like 42, nothing, 49, nothing. You know, that would be the equivalent of 70, nothing right now, just because the way the game is played. But uh, those teams just were just amazing teams. So it's fun to think about. And uh, but this Bixby team certainly deserves to be this year's and last year's team certainly deserves to be in the discussion. Just real quick, Barry, before we get to Dean for a minute, just just quickly, why do you give last year's Bixby team a slight edge over this year's Bixby team? Uh, Because of uh, Braylon Presley. Uh, this, uh, the state player of the year there, um, this year's Bixby team didn't have any performances, which I guess are, that would be deemed by people as state player of the year. Like the six, they're all district team came out today and no one from Bixby was named as one of the two MVPs in their district, which was a little surprising to me. So, um, Kale Fugate was the defensive player of the year, but, um, so I think, I think the Bray, you know, Braylon Presley had his, I mean, what a, what a talent he is. And uh, of course he's in the news today. So, um, I think he took that team just to a little bit higher level than this year's team. I mean, if you're going to play them against each other, I think he might be the difference maker because there's a lot of the same people involved. So I think that's why I would give that team an edge. Dean, it's not a shock that Bixby won handily, but did it shock you with how handily it was? I mean, they, I mean, yeah, that, that really shocked you that it was to that degree where they almost put up 70 points. Did that surprise you? Yeah, a 63-point uh, differential is going to surprise you. I don't care who they're playing. Um, in terms of just execution, you know, they, they had it all going. And I, I don't want to spend too much time overlapping with what Barry said because he really wrapped it up in a tight, neat little bow, what, what they were able to do uh, on on Friday. But when you look at that big speed team and – the numbers and the stats that they'd been putting up all year. It was hard for me to, to, to go into that game and say, this is going to be a 69 to six win. You know, I, I think you put a Wasso more on the level of a, of a Jenks, you know, who was able to hold them. They won by three in the first meeting. They lost by 14 in the next. I expected something more like that, but that big speed defense shut down, you know, the Mason Willingham a couple minutes into the game breaks of whatever it was, 54-yard touchdown run, and it's about all the Wasp was able to do on offense uh, against that big speed defense. So so that's surprising, I think, and, and that's really a testament to what Lauren Montgomery's done over there. I, I think, Dean, um, also I think there are a couple other factors in that game. I think it was going to be an uphill battle for a Wasp in that game anyway, but uh, – when Anthony Hills really their best deep receiving threat didn't play in the game. I mean, Awasa already obviously lost a couple of big playmakers uh, really from the get-go this season. And then when you lose Anthony Hills, who was a factor in the semifinal game and he's not playing the other night, uh, that just really limited Awasa offensively. May not probably didn't, wouldn't make any difference ultimately, but Mason Willingham, I mean, Anthony Hills, I think, was a big part of their offense uh, late in the season. 
and also how we'd never seen this before, how a team would react would react after playing six overtimes the previous week. I think that may have had an effect on Owasso. I mean, they wouldn't use that as an excuse, but I think that probably drained a lot out of them. Um, so I, I think those were two things that and Bixby takes advantage. I mean, my goodness, they'll take advantage of any weakness you have. And uh, it was just quite the performance. The, the Bixby defense, you, you could kind of feel it on the sidelines. They were pumped and excited and making hits, making tackles, flying around the ball. They just they they looked motivated and and, and ready to go. Um, I want to ask you both this. What I thought this was a real interesting call. Uh, what did you make of the onside's kick? Uh, is in the first quarter, right? Wasn't it fourteen six at that point? Yes. What I, what did you make? I'll, I'll get both of your reactions. We'll start with you, Barry. What did you make of that call? I mean, you can look back now and say it was a great call for Bix because it worked and they scored. And you wrote, Barry, that it was kind of the, the turning point of the game, you felt, because they, they go score and suddenly it's 21-6. But let's say you don't – it's 14-6 to and you don't get it and then Owasso goes scores. I mean, it's – I thought that was an interesting call. What did you make of it? Well, I think, yeah, Lord Montgomery's coach was – it was a turning uh, – Owasso left the door open when they committed the the personal foul on the conversion. And then that prompted Bixby because the improved field position when they moved the kickoff up to try something like that. And uh, so why, you know, why not go for it? And uh, Dylan has recovered and uh, the rest is history. Bixby just rolled down the field. And uh, that just shows you that anyway, that's something they might've tried to do anyway, even without the penalty. I mean, they've got so much confidence in their defense. Um, and uh, it's just, they're just so strong on in every phase of the game. Dean, what about you? Yeah, I, I spoke with Dylan Haas uh, after the game and, and something I just asked, you know, what went into that decision? And he said, this was something they'd been practicing where, when they go down and score a touchdown and they're able to get that penalty on the ensuing kickoff, they liked they liked their their odds on the onside kick there. To me, I think it's a smart play because from where you're kicking off, even if they recover it, it puts them at what about their 35 yard line, Barry, you know, give or yeah. take a couple yards there. And and when you've got a big speed defense, you know, I don't care where you start with the ball, it's it's gonna be a hard thing to move down the field and score consistently. Um so I think they 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 just like their odds there that worst case we get it and we're on the edge of the red zone or best case we get it we're on the edge of the red zone worst case they start at their 35 yard line and they like their odds to be able to stop them. Yeah. Well guys what do you think you want to talk a little 6A2 now anything else you want to mention about uh, 6A1? I think we've covered 6A1, as Bill Blankenship, I think, said so well. We just ran out of magic. Is he going to retire, Barry? I don't think he even knows right now. I mean, he told us last week that he would uh, take some time after the season and talk with his wife and, uh, you know, see what uh, he should do. Um, what's, what's, what's your gut feeling? Well... I, I'm going to say if I, my gut feeling was this might be a good time because of what a 
a magical run it was this year. I mean, short of winning a state championship, this would be a great note to end on. But uh, um, again, I mean, we should know fairly soon, I'm going to predict. I mean, I would say by early January, but because uh, a lot of times those things are done by then. Um, if there's going to be a, if a coach is going to step down. So, um, but uh, we'll see. Uh, but it would be, if, if that was the last, if this was the last season for him, what a way to go out. Uh, what a great season it was and what a great run for the Owasso Rams. Yeah. All right. Let's talk 682. We're uh, Stillwater after some close calls in previous years, uh, got the state title. Uh, Tucker Bernard leading the pioneers to an undefeated season their first state title since, what, 67. Uh, you both saw that game. Dean, let's start with you. What it just You've seen Stillwater a couple times this year. Just what do you make of Stillwater's season, not only in the title game, but but uh, what they did all season long going undefeated? So, yeah, I mean, we talked about it with Bigsby. I'll talk about it with Stillwater. You know, that, that's a team that that really likes its defense and it likes to win games on the defensive side. And and you saw that when you're going up against one of the state's best with uh, in, with Choctaw's quarterback, Steel Wazel. I mean, or Wazell, um, you know, they intercepted him three times. That's, that's the difference maker. They were able to stall out those drives. They were able to turn those into points. And the the final score makes it look closer than it is, you know, 26 to 21. That that was really a, a 14 to 26 ball game. Uh, Choctaw was able to drive down, score with nine seconds left and attempted an onside kick. But, um, but yeah, you know, Stillwater built itself on its defense. It it won its state title with that defense. Um, you know, Gage Gundy and, and Noah Roberts did what they have been doing all season and and getting points on the board offensively. Um, but but that's really I think where where Stillwater came from, and that's how they the the nuts and bolts of how they won this one. Uh, on top of that, Choctaw committing 16 penalties is going to help any team uh, win a game. You know that, that that's a hard. To to commit sixteen penalties is a hard thing to win, um, but I think if you th- those are the numbers that really stick out: three interceptions and sixteen penalties. That that's how I think you can best tell the story of this game. And in, in terms of for the Stillwater community, I, I think it's great everything that they've had to go through uh, this past week. I, I wrote about it a little bit in um, in my story from that game, but. It's been emotional for them with uh, with everything going on, and, and they were able to go out and win their first state title since 1967, like you said, Patrick. Barry, your thoughts? Well, Dane, we can't agree on just everything. So I was going to – I will differ with you a little bit on the fact that the final score was deceiving. Yes, it was an effect whenever you score nine seconds to go that I guess can make it a little deceiving, but Choctaw – they racked up a lot of yards, uh, but they just self-destructed with some really un, uh, uncharacteristic interceptions. Um, they had Choctaw had their chances. They outgained Stillwater, and again, self-destructing with sixteen penalties, as you mentioned. So um, it was a it, it was a very interesting game, and uh, it was really also interesting to me to think back to watching those two teams play in August back in the Jenks Trojan preview when we thought this might be a potential championship matchup and how the game sort of played out somewhat similarly. Stillwater won by three points back in in, uh, August where Choctaw again scored a late touchdown and Stillwater didn't pass for hardly any yards. 
in either of the games uh, back in August. I thought it was just they were just playing it as uh, Tucker Bernard said, close to the vest. Well, the other day is um, um, they just Gage Gundy just couldn't do anything throwing the ball. Of course, you found out he was injured. So, um, I, yeah, their their one really big pass play was on a trick play by a reserve quarterback. And that was really a turning point in the game when they scored right before the end of the first half to get it tied up going into halftime. So, uh, but Stillwater, uh, what a season, undefeated season. And uh, Noah Roberts, what a year he had at running back. So congratulations to the Pioneers. Now, what year is uh, Noah Roberts? He's a senior. Okay, so they're going to lose uh, another another Gundy and Noah Roberts. Uh, Tucker Bernard's had a, had a Gundy at the helm for a number of years. Do we do we know who next year's quarterback's going to be? We do. Uh, so they have a kid right. Well, based just on the roster, I would assume it now goes to Connor Quintero. Uh, he's an interesting kid. He's already got an offer from Oregon. <laughs> so I, I I think it'll be a he'll be a story. Um, now, granted, you, you never know who steps up. You might stay in the backup role. Um, but if you just look through their roster, I think they're expecting him to be the kid next year. Okay. All right. You want to Barry teased it earlier. You want to talk a little four A? Yeah. What a turnaround again. I mean, okay. Hold on, Barry. So. I, I agree with you 100% what you, what you said leading up to the game about don't count out Dale Condit. This guy can coach. He's been doing it a long time. We all know this. But, I mean, how realistic was it to think that they would go in and be un, previously unbeaten Cushing? I mean, I didn't think it was very realistic at all. I mean, but I do whenever I say that. It's like I because the respect that Bill Blankenship or Dale has – has earned with all their state titles throughout the years and just having seen them do some amazing things before. Like if anyone could do pull off something like this, uh, they can, they and their staffs. Uh, because I had mentioned going into last week, yeah, remember last year when Owasso beat Broken Arrow by 39 in the regular season and Broken Arrow wins in the playoffs. So uh, big turnarounds can happen. I mean, big reversals can happen. I did not expect it. And especially the way Cushing started out, they're leading by 14 in the second quarter. And I'm thinking, well, Cushing's just on their way to another blowout. And then there was a play. It was like around midfield, four minutes to go in the second quarter. Wagner's got a fourth and four. And there was a tipped pass that somehow was caught by Braden Skeen for Wagner, I believe it was, for the first down. And right, and that was a turning point because then Wagner goes ahead and um, scores. Another big turning uh, decision was they had the ball at the uh, six-yard line, I believe, with six seconds left, and they went for the touchdown instead of the field goal, or at least took a shot at it. Whit Edwards uh, pulls down the touchdown pass, so it's now 21-14 going in the half instead of 21-7. And uh, Wagner throughout the game you know if Wagner does not come first of all if Wagner on that drive does not convert that fourth down at midfield I see Cushing getting the ball going down and scoring it's 28-7 at half and it's all over so one play can make a huge difference that being said from a Wagner standpoint Wagner basically followed the script that Jenks did to beat Bixby and what you've got to do um don't you know chew up the clock 
play keep away from that explosive from your opponent's explosive offense. Wagner did that. They held the ball two to one ratio, time of possession. Don't commit penalties. Don't commit uh, unforced errors, turnovers. You follow that, and uh, you've got a chance to pull off the upset. You know, I thought Wagner may have let uh, the do- some opportunities go early in the game when they had two trips inside the Cushing 30 and came up empty. But other than that, it was just like they just followed the script to pull off an upset perfectly. Is this the first time, Barry, that uh, Wagner has won as a non-favorite? Like they're, they're used to being elite. This right. is the first year where they've kind of, you know, not been one of the favorites. I would, I would say so. I would say – that this was the first, yeah, this was the first time you would really consider them an underdog. This is the first time I would have considered it was somewhat reminiscent of 2005 when they reached the state championship game in his first year there uh, as a huge underdog. They did not win that year. But um, yeah, Wagner's usually in the other role. They're usually the favorite. Um, so Wagner, uh, yeah, just an amazing story. You know, all year long, people ask me, what's wrong with Wagner? What's wrong with Wagner? They've got three losses. Well, look who they lost to. They lost barely in the last seconds to Grove, which went undefeated in the regular season. <laughs> lost in the last seconds to Quita, undefeated in the regular season. And then they lost to Cushing. So there's nothing really wrong with Wagner all this time. They just played a tough schedule. And um Wow, what a gritty group of players, and uh, what an amazing championship game that was. And for the second year in a row, the best game on championship weekend was the last, the last game on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Dean, what did you make of that last drive of the game that led to the game-winning uh, field goal? Yeah, so to me, I, I think Barry's 100% correct in 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 the play like that that with six seconds left before halftime they get that touchdown there but I think just as important was uh, getting a fourth down stop uh, midway through the fourth they they tackle uh, Wagner tackles Cushing uh, quarterback Blaze Berlowitz and they get the ball back with five minutes and nine seconds left they ate up all five minutes and nine seconds of that kicked the field goal and got the win there uh, so like Barry says you know it's easy to put together a perfect game plan it's hard to execute it um if you're gonna leave it to somebody like dale to be able to 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 execute a perfect game plan he's the guy i leave it to because he knows how to do it he's been here he's won these games and to me i think this is another feather in his cap of just excellence and 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 perfectly doing what you need to do to win this game he he had the plan and, and they went out and they did it and like Barry says, it's a tough, gritty group. They're built on that defense. I mean, this is a Cushing team that won its games this season by an average of 47 points. What Wagner, this is a different type of state title for Wagner in the fact that they didn't really have it. Well, it doesn't look like they've got a, that super duper star on their team, that huge big time playmaker. I think all the other ones had really huge big time playmakers. This was just a gritty group that, uh, played great as a team together and uh so i think that makes it different than some of their other state championships is and um you a big stat um i think that was really impressive coming into the game which i thought well this might give wagner a chance against cushing was you know after they gave up 500 yards to cushing in week six in the next seven games after that 
going into the championship game, they allowed less, a total of less than 500 yards. That is incredible. I mean, to hold, I mean, to average allowing teams like to 60 yards over a seven week span. So that's quite a defense. And so, you know, what, what do we hear all the time? I mean, it's a cliche, maybe not as relevant now as it used to be, but when it comes to playoff football, defense in a running game can take you a long way. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, which one of you interviewed the kicker after the game? We both did, I think, right? Yep. We both talked did to you him. Did you both talk to him? Uh, Barry, once you go, what, what was, I mean, what, what a moment for this kid. I mean, what a moment. I mean, what was it like talking to him and how did he, you know, I bet you could just, just feel the exuberance coming off him probably. Oh yeah. And uh, what a story he is. Cause he missed really all last year with the knee injury. So what a comeback for him. But I think as Dean also, you know, observed that, uh, he was quite the moment for him. It was pretty overwhelming, I think, for him because as he's, I think he was saying like his brain wasn't totally functioning because it's just such a wild, such an amazing moment for him. You know, when he tried to ask him, I don't probably, the magnitude of the moment may not have like totally hit him at the time, but uh, Wagner was also a unique situation going into the game or going into the season where you thought, well, if there's going to be a close game, well, they're going to be in a really great shape because they've got two quality kickers and they used both kickers in the game the other night. And uh, one's better, was a little better from shorter kicks, one better and longer kicks, but they're both really good. They both had each four field goals this season going into the game. They alternate kicks. And it was Ethan Muhlenweg's turn. And um, and he booted it through the uprights. I mean, that was not an easy kick. I mean, it may have not won style points for the kick, but 36 yards, that's not, especially in high school, not a total chip shot. Glad Dean was right there behind the uprights to get uh, the video of the winning kick. So, but, uh, you know, credit to the snapper and the holder because, you know, a lot of times those situations, you know, that's not an automatic kick. So Wagner could do, did everything perfectly on that last drive, but you still got to make the kick in 36 yards. That's, that was impressive. So, and you wrote about you wrote about this, Barry. So that's literally what it came down to. It was just his turn. They were alternating kickers, and it just happened to be Ethan's turn. That's what that's what he said. Because um, it was okay. sort of like in that mid middle range. Because Ethan was more used for short kicks overall in the season, and Logan was for the longer kicks, and he had missed from thirty seven. Logan had Logan Bloxham had missed from thirty seven earlier in the game. Um, so I, that's what he said. It just came down to, it was his turn. They're both equally good. They're both really good. And, uh, you know, Cushing tried to ice him, didn't work. And he, he converted and, uh, what a moment, a moment of a lifetime. He'll be a hero forever in Wagner. No doubt about it. Uh, Dean, I interrupted you a second ago. Go ahead. I was going to say there, there was no, uh, style points earned on that final kick, but style points don't win you games. And, uh, kicking it through the uprights does. So, yeah, I, mean, I think I caught him even before Barry caught him. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that kid was pretty shell-shocked in the moment, and I, I don't think it even hit him what he had just accomplished. But to me, I mean, that's, I think, every kicker's dream to be in that position or maybe every kicker's nightmare. I guess it depends on what kicker you talk to. But, um, no, nah, he... 
a little bit of a knuckleball kick, and, and I thought he might have missed it at first, but he got it, and Wagner got their state championship. Yeah, great job, Dean, by getting that on video. And, um, and yeah, that was his second game-winning field goal of the playoffs. He also made one, a shorter one, against Tuttle in the quarterfinals. Now, that wasn't at the very end of the game. That was earlier in the fourth, early in the fourth quarter. But still, two of their last three games were decided by his field goals. Yep. All right, so uh, let's talk about 2A a little, or uh, I'm sorry, 3A. I've, I've been confusing those classes all year long, sorry. Uh, crazy matchup between Metro and Heritage Hall out of Oklahoma City. You guys were both there. Uh, Dean, let's start with you. What you what you make of what you saw on that one? Well, I mean, what, three state rec- three records got broken, I think, for most points in a game, most points by a single team, and passing yards by a single player. So um, to say it was an offensive performance of a lifetime, I think, would still even be an understatement. And it's hard to look and say, you take Kirk Francis and say, hey, he threw for 626 yards, but he lost. I, that that to me is insane. Um, so yeah, it was just a, just a good back and forth. I think of a good clash of styles, too. Heritage really liked their run game and uh, Metro liked the pass game. And, and so you got to see a very efficient run game and a very efficient pass game. And it just clock ran out too quick. I think Barry probably doesn't cause he had to write the, he was on deadline on that one. But uh, uh, no, I, I think that those two teams would have just kept throwing punches if the clock kept going. Yep. Uh Kirk Francis, I've been covering high school sports since the 80s. I've never seen anyone throw for over 500 yards, much less over 600 yards. And this is 626 yards um, against the state championship team. It's not against some team that's 0-10 and you're racking up yards. I mean, he's doing this against the best. I mean, that I it was very reminiscent to me, or I had the same feeling watching his performance as I did watching Josh Jacobs for McLean back into 2015 against Kasha Hall. Um, Josh Jacobs that night racked up more yards as a running back than any game I've ever seen. He would have had 600 yards last night if a couple penalties hadn't occurred, wiping out big gains. But still, um, and I kept on thinking that, the, and they wound up losing that game against the team that was a 4A semifinalist. Uh, so, and I kept on thinking at that time, Josh Jacobs had one offer at that time. One offer about a guy who's now one of the lead best running backs in the NFL. One offer. And it wasn't by a local team. So um, I kept on thinking while well, watching Kirk Francis the other night. No, no majors are offering him. No, no teams around here are offering him. Um, I guess Southeast Missouri is offering him, but um are very interested in him, but he can play major college football. My goodness, what do you want? He's got all the tools. So watching Kirk Francis the other night was bringing back memories to me of Josh Jacobs. Like these guys can play major college football. Why, Why aren't people recognizing that? People need to take a look at Kirk Francis, especially there's some teams around here losing their quarterbacks in the portal. So (laughs) they should be taking a good look at Kirk Francis. Very interesting. Um, all right, guys, anything else from uh, – well, I got a couple notes we'll get to, but 
anything from state title weekend you want to you want to get into? You guys uh, saw a lot of football in a short amount of time. Chad uh, Chad Richardson Stadium at Edmond. It's a great place to hold that. Uh, they've it's better than ever since they did the renovations. Really impressed by the waterfall they put in and yes. added seating on the visitor stands. I mean, now it's like there are no weaknesses to the stadium at all, from what I can tell. It's yeah. just it's just the right size to hold these games, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. The waterfall was sharp. Man, yes. that was I mean, kudos to them. They do in the UCO. It seems like they really want it. Uh, press box and all the, they just seem very accommodating there. So it's a great combination there. And uh, that's, yeah, it's a very, if you're going to be watching five games in, in, in just over a span of 48 hours, that's a great place to do it at. And the contract is up with the OSSAA, right, Barry? Uh, in another year or so. Oh, okay. I thought it was already, I thought this was a completion. Okay. My, my bad. I mean, Dean, what, uh, I mean, I, I, no, I, think, you're, I think it was another year. I think they should have another year left. Okay. All right. I'm getting, getting ahead of myself. All right. Let's, let's move on to what we call our final thoughts where you each get 30 seconds. Dean, you go first. Final thoughts. Uh, you know, it was fun this past weekend because this was the first time since August 26th, or maybe it was 25th, that me and Barry Lewis got to share a press box together and take into a high school game. And we didn't get to just do one, we got to do five. Uh, so we get to share some thoughts with him and uh, have a good time this weekend with him. Uh, that was that was a pretty cool time, and, and I was happy for that. And uh, my final thought is um, thanks to – all the coaches and players who've been so accommodating throughout the season to help us bring you all the coverage that we have. Um, because I mean, without them, without their cooperation, it'd be a lot harder to, to do the stories that we do. And so I just want to thank them um, for all, for all those coaches and players who have helped us out and also for the feedback we get from the readers, uh, good and good and negative. So, cause, uh, we want to hear, um, constructive criticism of how, what we can do to make our coverage even better. So we appreciate all the feedback as well. Absolutely. Uh, we can't cover high schools to the degree that we cover them without the participation of the coaches and the players. So, uh, appreciate all that they do for us and appreciate, Barry, you and Dean for all the work you have done this season, along with columnist Bill Haston. Uh, you know, like like I've said many times, our, our high school coverage is the my favorite thing that we do. Love love consuming our content. So great stuff, guys. As always, I know it's uh, it's been a long season. We'll, you'll kind of turn your focus to other sports now. Uh, Barry and Dean, you guys will get going on the all world and all state teams that'll be coming probably sometime in January, right, Barry? Yes, uh, we'll have the. Okay all world teams for all the fall sports in late January and football coaches who are watching this, I'll be sending out your nomination forms this week. All the other sports should have received your forms and inquiries already from Bryce McKinnis, who is handling that. And uh, yes, uh, be very interesting to see how all the post our postseason honors go in football. Uh, just started thinking about it. So many great performances and uh, um, Want to, it'll be interesting the way it shakes out.
Absolutely. Okay, guys, we'll catch up next Monday. Thank you. Sounds good.